Hello and welcome dreamers to this, the Dreamcast Years podcast companion show. We're calling it Dreamcast Years Game of the Year edition. Each episode will be returning to the golden year discussed in the main podcast to try and figure out which game deserves to be crowned the very best. You'll hear myself, Rich and Steve pitch for our choice in an attempt to get your votes. Yes, that's right. After each episode, you'll be able to vote via Twitter for your pick of the bunch, uh, with the winner being crowned the DCY Game of the Year. So before we go any further, I'd like to introduce you to the two people that I've just mentioned who will be joining me on this endeavour. It's the bearded game lover, Richard, and the other bearded game lover, uh, it's Steve. Um, how are you both doing? I was, I was, I was going to say, I was going to get a bit confused then. I didn't know yeah. who was going to be introduced first. Yeah, so. I was like on the edge then. I was like, wait, does he mean me or Rich? <laughs> I was going to differentiate you by Hello. saying Hi. one of you had it's glasses, but uh, you both have glasses too. <laughs> I'll take my glasses off, it would have been easier. <laughs> I feel like one of you needs to wear an eye patch or something so we can... Yeah, one of us has to be the evil one and the other one could be the good one. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a good... Yeah, that sounds like a good <laughs> way of doing it. Um, so just for listeners who have listened to the original podcast, you'll already know Rich. Um, and this um, also with Rich today is Steve. And Steve will be joining us as a regular on this podcast um, as a member of the, uh, the team who will be pitching every time. Um, and I've realised I've not said who I am. Um, I'm Andrew. Um, I don't have the ability to grow a beard of any kind, um, but I do love games. So we've got that in common at least. Um, so I'm going to go through now what the rules of this are. And there are rules. Um, so be prepared for a couple of minutes of me talking about rule stuff. Um, at the end, it should all make sense, fingers crossed. And then we'll kind of get into the meat of it and, uh, and start pitching. Um, so... Uh, each person is going to have a minute to pitch uh, their game of the year for, at this time, it'll be 1997, um, and each time it'll be the, the year that we've discussed in the previous podcast. Um, the game must have been released in the EU within that year, uh, unless it never launched over here, in which case we can go by the launch date of wherever it came from. Uh, once the minute is up, uh, that person isn't allowed to speak unless asked a direct question by the other two. So they can't try and influence you any further. Um, during the minute, they can say whatever they like. Um, so that's fine. And um, after the minute pitch, the other two of us will discuss for a little while and then we'll move on to the next one. So after each of the shows, you'll have seven days in order to vote for your favourite on a poll, which will be pinned over our Twitter account, uh, which is at Dreamcast Years. Uh, once the poll has ended, our winner will have been decided and we'll announce it on the next episode of DCY GOTY, uh, where the person who pitched the winning game will get to pitch two games as a reward. So there's a bit of an incentive um, for all of us to pitch the best, uh, as we'll get to have two choices in the next podcast. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be pitching two, um, because why not? And uh, that means that there's going to be four games to choose from um, in the vote. Uh, however, that's not all. The loser, the person whose game really received the least votes on the poll, uh, will go into the next episode with a handicap, which will be voted also uh, by you, the listener, directly after the game of the year poll has ended. So a handicap comes into effect during the person's pitch time and choices that you'll have to vote on uh, might include things such as a distraction whilst pitching or having the person do something else while pitching. Um, so we'll give you maybe three or four options and the one that gets the most votes uh, will be the handicap that the loser has to endure in the next episode. Everybody understand that? Mm-hmm. 
Understood. Understood. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> good, because you're about to do it. So, um, right, let's um, dive right... Uh, wait a minute. Um, I was going to allow us to start on an equal playing field. Uh, however, that was until I heard Rich, um, whose Twitter handle is at DreamcastBarber. Um, <laughs> I heard Rich has never played Shenmue 2 and once threw a Dreamcast in a wheelie bin. Um, <laughs> I shit you not. Um, so, um, first of all, how do you plead to these charges, Richard? Oh, guilty, but to be in, in my defence, uh, the Dreamcast went in the bin before Shimmy 2 came out, so I was, therefore, I had no option. I could not play it. I had nothing to play on. So, right, okay, okay. I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm still not hearing a justification <laughs> for the Dreamcast going in the bin in the first place. Ah. Uh, do I have to explain it again? I can. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I mean, people might not have heard so, the other reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically I had the uh, the resetting issue. I think it was to do with the actual laser. Um... So it kept on randomly restarting on me. And this was back when I didn't have the means. Well, I had the means technically, but I didn't know. To- I could go online, find some instructions on how to fix it. So I just thought, oh, it's, it's dead. It's done. So I said to my mum, I'm going to throw it away. Um I actually got my second Dreamcast uh, seven years ago. Got it for Christmas. Christmas Day, the same thing happened again. This time I fixed it. So it didn't go in the bin with the wrapping paper. <laughs> so redemption redemption came eventually then. Yeah, and it still works. I didn't buy Shimmer 2 yet though. So, that, so therefore I've actually got no excuse anymore. So That's okay, it's a bad game. <clears throat> oh, that's, uh, <laughs> I was going to say that's a hot take. I'm not sure if it's a hot take or not, but... Um, <laughs> It's, I mean, it's not it's, a hot it's, take it's, because it is a bad game. Well, well, okay. We're going to have lots of That's a conversation for another time. That's a conversation <laughs> for another I think time. You need to, uh, I think you need to uh, give, uh, not, don't give me the uh, the forfeit. Maybe you should give Steve <laughs> it instead. Yeah, I'm not thinking maybe, maybe Steve should have it instead. Um, do you know what? Um, no, because you also threw a Dreamcast in a bin. So I think that really deserves punishment. So, uh, Agreed. Rich, Agreed. Yeah, agree, exactly. Yeah, Steve, Steve agrees. Um, so, although I, I am thinking that some kind of punishment needs to be forthcoming for you as well, Steve, <laughs> after that comment. Um, so um, what I'll be doing then for the first um, for the first handicap, the first forfeit, as it were, um, is when Rich pitches, um, I will be randomly playing an air horn to put him off. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Rich... <laughs> um, would you like to start by telling us uh, we're going to start with you uh, do you want to start by telling us the name of the game that you've picked and the platform that it came out on okay it's a uh, goldeneye 007 on the n64 fantastic so what i'm going to do um while i'm sat right here is to get a minute going on the timer i'll tell you when to start and um just pitch and um if you happen to get distracted by an air horn you happen to get distracted by an air horn it happens to us all. It, it does. Uh, <laughs> are you ready to go? Are you limbered up? I'm ready, yeah. Let's yeah, rip this band-aid to... off. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start the minute now. Okay. So, yeah, GoldenEye, it's the landmark game. It's I, I think it's arguably the best game on the N64. It revolutionised FPSs on consoles. Um, probably the most violent game that Nintendo's ever published. Um one of the reasons I love it, I got it on Christmas Day, and I've always had quite a, um, what should we say, quite an emotional attachment to the game that I got, games I got for Christmas. Um, first game that, first game I've ever played where you actually start off in a toilet. Um, first game I played where there were headshots. Um, 
what else was I going to say? Uh, multiplayer mode was at the time the best multiplayer experience I think on the console. Um, Sean Bean's in it. That's always a winner. Uh, <laughs> um, what else? Uh, oh god, putting me off now. <laughs> um, oh man. Um, Five. Boris is in it. That's four, pretty good. <laughs> three, two, <laughs> <me up>. one. <laughs> you done. <laughs> Well, that was terrible. <laughs> no, no, good work. I don't know if that was me or the air horns. I don't know. <laughs> you talked through the air horns quite well, actually. I was quite surprised. Yeah, I was surprised. I was laughing all the time to myself. Maybe I was laughing away from the microphone, but <sighs> well, there you go. All right, no, you. It worked. It worked. It was a distraction, so I can I can assure you of and that. You played the Sean Bean card, which increases your chances I of did. winning. I think that was desperation. <laughs> I said Boris as well. Which that was the ultimate desperation. <laughs> Alan Cummings in the game, yay. <laughs> oh, you, you, you're still pitching, you're still pitching. It's, Rich has to shut up now. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Steve. Um, Hello. Goldeneye. Is that a game that you uh, that you played back in uh, the day? I, d- I did. Uh, I never owned an N64, sadly, but I had um, a lot of use on my friends, and we played Goldeneye a lot, and it was great. I uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. I definitely agree it's a bit of a landmark game. Uh yeah, brilliant. Really fun to play. And to be honest, I think if you go back, a lot of people say it doesn't hold up that well. But whenever I go back to it, I still have a lot of fun. Hmm. When, when have you? When did you last go back to it? Um, I mean, it's been a few years now. Um, yeah, like three, four years ago. But I remember it still being a lot of fun. And I was, it was the animations and the way the enemies react that's that's really fun um, about that game. And I feel like not a lot of games do that well now, and they did it very well back back then. Yeah, and it's it, it's a great. Um, I feel like we're doing Witch's job from here. It's a great um, like licensed game. There's not very many of them. That's, that's true. You know, actually, a good licensed game. Um, but it is also a game that never came out on any other system except for the N64. Mm-hmm. Like it's never been mm-hmm. ported to anything. So the only way you can actually play it is if you have an N64, which I'm guessing, you, you know, not yeah. a lot of people nowadays have one. To be fair, yeah, I feel like I feel like because of that as well, it's sort of retained its um, it's retained a status of some sort because it's quite hard to play still. So it's like you either played it at the time or you didn't. You know, it's not something that's readily available now. So you've either had that experience in the '90s or or you haven't. And if you have, yeah. then you sort of feel quite lucky to, to have done it then because it's quite hard to do now. True. True. Um... Then it, it, it kind of does, you, you do think uh, people missing out then, though, because there's going to be some people who weren't even born when it came out who may not even think to get an N64, or, you know, they, it's not something a lot of people go back to, I guess. Hmm, yeah. I mean, I, what's the likelihood that it is going to, I mean, maybe on the Switch at some point? I mean, what's in the way there? Why hasn't it been ported? I was about. Oh, go on, Rich. Every- so about everything under the sun's that in a way, unfortunately, you've got basically uh, Activision, I think, are the license holders. Mm. The fact you've got Nintendo as a Nintendo published game. Um, I, yeah, I think that alone. I think it, Bond is a, a nightmare when it comes to the rights anyway, because of the whole like um, Broccoli Estate and Fleming Estate, MGM, um, mm. Sony, Fox have had they're towing that pool sometimes it's just the bond thing is a, a nightmare yeah. yeah yeah it is a bit and the one thing the one thing i thought that could maybe get it to come back somehow would be um uh, there's always been like rumors and to well, i don't know if it's rumors or just people really wanting it but the um the rare replay coming to the switch 
Um, yeah. And because it's a rare game and it was a Nintendo published game, if they got, as you mm. said, all these different license holders, if they could get them all to agree, then they could potentially do the rare replay with added GoldenEye, which would be a pretty big coup if they could do it. But um, yeah, I'm not sure how possible or, or even likely that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of really unlikely things ha- happen in gaming, right? I feel like if someone someone behind the scenes wants it enough, I feel like they could do the work. I feel like it's certainly possible. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but but like Richard, it is always more difficult when you've got like film licensing to deal with as well as all of the other stuff. I mean, you know, whenever you talk about licensing in games even music causes so many issues you know it's mm, it's the reason that crazy taxi is is half the game it was now because all the music's gone yeah. um, and all of the and all of the brands as well um which kind of made mm. it slightly iconic so yeah but um uh, do you guys see anything of the um you've been following the progress on that goldeneye 25 project this basically that free to play one is that one they're developing especially a hd remake of it and it's basically gonna be free it's on pc i think so mm. It looks beautiful. They've wow. recreated the whole facility level, every level. Um, That's but cool. yeah, it looks magnificent. Wow, have they got that like running on Unreal or something? Or um, I'm, Actually, I would have to go back and check on that one. I've mostly been gawping at the screenshots <laughs> and actually reading about it. But it looks pretty. So wow. Just, yeah, just Google GoldenEye25. So. Nice. Maybe um, the answer to all our prayers. Might be. Yeah. Or Nintendo will shut it down. So, one or the other. Oh, that's very likely. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I to be honest, I haven't played a huge amount of Goldeneye. I've played it bits. Uh, again, with like on a friend's N64, since I've never had one myself. Um. I can't really say much about it to be honest. I I just know how much people really like it, and I did enjoy the bit yeah. that I played of it. Um. But I don't have much else to add, I guess. And I and it's not like I can play devil's advocate here and go, oh shit, um, because I don't <laughs> I don't have that opinion either. Um. Yeah. So it's just yeah. your your life will not be complete until you've run over someone in a tank and heard the squelch noise. I love that squelch noise. <laughs> Funny fact as well. There was actually a bit of a uh, in the St. Petersburg level. There's a bit of a Star Trek nod in that. All the civilians that are in danger. I think the ones. Um, yeah, the, the uh, civilians on the on the pavements still wearing red shirts. Oh, really? <laughs> the civilian that is in immediate danger. So it's, yeah, nice little Star Trek nod for the Trekkies out there. Right. There we go. I actually only read that today. Oh, <laughs> wow. Doing my homework. Good time. Research. So, there you go. Excellent. Well, there we go. I think we've um, we've talked about Golden Eye enough there. Thank you very much, Rich, for your pitch. A nice rhyme Thank there. Um, so, Steve. Hello. I think you're going to be next up. Um, you don't have any uh, okay. any air horns to worry about. Um, I'm just going to time mm-hmm. you for a minute. Um, I'm okay. looking at my timer here. Um, can you begin us off or tell us what your game is and the platforms that it was on? Sure. So my game of the year for 1997 is Grand Theft Auto, which I played on the PlayStation at the time. Also available on the PC, though. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to start the timer. You have got a minute starting now. Okay, so uh, Grand Theft Auto, uh, the first one. My The reason it's my game of the year for 1997 is because of how unique and new and fresh it felt at the time. Uh, it was an open world, of course, um, and open worlds weren't necessarily that new at the time, but the way this one was presented and the way you interacted with the open world felt extremely unique at the time. Um, it's set across three uh, very large cities, uh, Lib- 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 Liberty City, Vice City, uh, and another one that I can't remember the name of, San Andreas. 
fictionalized versions of real cities so you sort of felt like the game was letting you play around in the real world um and it's sort of steeped in this americana and you are you can just run riot and do whatever you like the only objective you really have is to get a million points or a million dollars uh, and you earn money by punching people and shooting people running people over and so on um as grand theft auto is famous for uh there was missions in it but the missions only st- oh <laughs> i did i did i did my best you sound like you could have gone it's on forever in- there. infinitely better than <laughs> so there we go that is grand theft auto which is on the ps1 and the pc um steve now shuts up and um rich what, what are your thoughts on grand theft auto for game of the year Oh, I absolutely love Grand Theft Auto. I remember first picking it up on the PlayStation. Um, I had a mate that had it on PC, and I was very jealous at the time. Uh, when I got it, yeah, just it's revelation that game. It was, I think it's almost at the time it was the equivalent of like the first sort of video game, like most nasty that I had in the house. Um, yeah. Didn't actually know how much my mum really knew what I was playing upstairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I love that game to bits. I mean, I got everything afterwards. I got um, the GTA London expansion. And that was an interesting process of uh, basically removing swapping discs yeah. on the PlayStation. <laughs> that was such a weird little process. But no, I love a game, music, everything. Um, just yeah, running over pedestrians. I used to spend a whole like weekend just driving around in the tank, just mm. going on murderous rampages, just running over traffic until my my tank blew up itself. Um, yeah, I, just, I love Grand Theft Auto. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it. You can play it for such a lot. It's like one of those games that you could play forever. You know, just you just driving around. I mean, we've got two games now as well with tanks that you squish people with, um, which I'm wondering <laughs> is something. Does that say something about 1997 if, or about us? Begin with G as well. I don't play games beginning with G in 97. If this was a competition as to which tank squishing was better, it would go to GoldenEye. But the Grand Theft Auto is still yeah. pretty good for it too. Yeah. There was a lot of squishing, not just in the tank, though. You'd True. squish everything and anything True. in whatever. <laughs> the uh, pedestrians felt crispy in that game. When you ran them over, they had a real crisp. Uh, it, was, <sighs> it was pretty great. It was pretty horrendous. <laughs> I like the word crispy. That is, um, yeah, that's that's quite... Oh. Um, so, yeah, Grand Theft Auto was, I mean, uh, full... Um, I don't know what the word is here. I, I'm ter- By the way, this happened in the last podcast. I cannot think of words sometimes. So if I do, I'll either edit it out or I'll sit here for about a minute and just let you listen to me try and think of the word. Um, <laughs> but but um, just to let, I guess, to let the listeners know, um, me and Steve know each other from long, long ago. And I think, it's Steve, in fact, it was um, you that introduced me to Grand Theft Auto. I'm pretty sure we sat in your bedroom playing it mm-hmm. um, when we were like, what, 16? Um, and I just remember you like showing me it and me being, me going, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then like really enjoying yeah. it. It was one of... Um, it's one of those real crowd pleasers, right? It's a, it's a joy to show that game to someone and just see mm. their, and see their reaction to it. Yeah, and then they go off and buy it because they want to, like, you know, mow down hundreds of innocent pedestrians <laughs> themselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely something totally unusual and totally different from the norm. And yeah, it, it, you know, if you looked at 1997 and you just looked at a bunch of like game screenshots from 1997, you'd see quite a lot of because um, 3D was you know it's a few years old by that point in terms of mainstream, and you'd see a lot of these you know 3D titles, lots and lots of them because it's PS1 and N64, so huge amounts. And then you had GTA, which was 2D and top down, and you know, as in you know, I know it's 3D, but it, it felt like a 2D game almost because of the way that it was laid mm-hmm. out. 
Um, and it was just completely, you know, it was so vibrant in terms of all the colours and yeah, it's completely different from anything else that year, I think. If you were to, like I said, if you were to look at a bunch of screenshots, that one would probably stand out amongst all the others, I think. Rich, is there anything else that you want to say about GTA before we move on? Oh, man. No, that's... No, I think um, we've covered everything. I think it's GTA. I think it's just a very important game. I mean, it obviously led led to arguably one of the biggest series to ever mm. come out the in big, video games. Industry. The biggest entertainment series, I think. Not not yeah. not just yeah. in games. Staggeringly, yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we obviously got to the three D age in the end. I still actually remember that first feeling of playing the third game, like for the first time. Starting on my PlayStation Two, just being wowed. Oh yeah, phenomenal. And yeah, we owe it all to the first game. So, goes without saying. Very true. Excellent. So that's two of our four games covered. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to do the other two. Um, so this means that um, I think Steve, did you want to sure time me for these ones and mm-hmm. tell me to stop when it <laughs> when the time has run out? Yep. Cool. All good. I've got it ready. Brilliant. Um, so before we start, um, my first pitch um, for Game of the Year 1997 is Final Fantasy VII, which released on PS1. I think it did later release on the PC, but in 1997 it was on the PS1. All right then, well, Steve, did you want to uh, get me started? Sure, I will count you down. Three, two, one, go. So Final Fantasy VII is the seventh game in the Final Fantasy series, duh. Um, and it was the first fully 3D one. Um, I say fully 3D, 3D characters and pre-rendered backgrounds, um, 3D battles. Um, it was the game that introduced me to Final Fantasy and it's so colourful, so vibrant. Um, those are two words that I seem to like to use today. And it was just absolutely a breath of fresh air i'd never played a, an rpg before and i think so many people picked up final fantasy from final fantasy 7 it had an amazing story the characters even though there was no voice acting you kind of got to know them really well and you the the story was told really well um chocobos um there's the, the world map was one of the best that you could you could kind of go through there's so many secrets to find all these mini games that you could play the casino the golden saucer there were tears i think one of the first games i cried at was um, it was Final Fantasy 7 I feel like I'm going to spoil things by saying Aerith died but it's been a long time um, <laughs> time's and, up time's up uh, damn it oh, um, if the time was up just slightly sooner you wouldn't have spoiled it for ev- ev- everyone <laughs> yeah those people who still haven't played Final Fantasy 7 um, right I'm going to shut up now and you guys can have a chat about Final Fantasy 7 oh god okay <laughs> not a controversial one for me <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me uh, Rich sorry you controversial one um, the only reason being I owe this game to basically I, know, I owe it to this game for getting me my N64 because um, my sister fell in love with what she saw of Final Fantasy 7 that she offered to buy my PlayStation off me so oh. I could get the N64 so thank you Final Fantasy 7 <laughs> I was enjoying Mario 64 is, that, that, is so. that the nicest thing you can say about that game? did he play any of it? yeah it's well documented I'm not really an RPG guy ah, okay. I've never been I've never ever i i it's one of those things i i wish i was because i do i feel like i must be missing out because i see how widely loved they are and how mm. far fantasy itself as a series is loved so i do think sometimes is there something wrong with me i mean I, there is but not necessarily <laughs> in regards to it so we're going into like a therapy session now <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna lay down i think um but yeah just no 
That's probably the best thing Fair I Fair enough. Say. I mean, that's <laughs> certainly not for everyone. I think Final Fantasy no. VII at the time uh, owes a lot of its success to the marketing at the time, which I remember mm. vividly. But I, I, I can easily imagine a lot of people picking that game up at the time and not quite realizing exactly what it was. Um because the uh, you know, the JRPG format is just not for everyone, and if you don't like it, you're not yeah. going to be convinced uh, by that game. Um, so I don't blame you for not really being into it. I I, I did really like it at the time, and and I, I never finished it, which is one of those things that tugs at me a little bit. But I remember really enjoying it at the time, and it did feel pretty revolutionary. Um, as you mentioned, the world map, the world map was was fantastic uh, mainly because the world map doesn't actually come about until i don't know however many hours into the game but there's a big chunk of the game at the start where you're in that city in midgar and then you a bunch of dramatic stuff happens a bunch of jrpg happens on the screen and then you you're racing out of the city on a motorbike and you're being chased and you're having big fights and stuff and then you're sent out into the open world which at the time i didn't even realize existed i thought this game took place in a city so it was kind mm. of mind-blowing to realize that there was actually this whole world also and then you skip across the world map to this town i think i think it's called calm which is not very subtle but it's like you have this massive high (laughs) and then you go into this town and you stay an inn and i remember just the sense of adventure was was amazing at the time um yeah it is a great game if you're into that kind of thing yeah, I feel like you should have pitched for this instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Much more convincing <laughs> argument than I had. Chocobos! I've certainly watched a lot of it being played. <laughs> yeah, Chocobos. I love birds, but... I certainly watched a lot of the game being played, but I just never picked the controller up myself. I mean, the music sticks in my head. I've been hearing it recently in Smash Brothers. Or Again, I've got no real love for this series, but yeah, it made me smile when I heard it, because it was, it was you know, fresh in my memory. I can still hear it now. Cool. Um... We've probably exhausted Final Fantasy VII, I guess. Is there is there any more love? Probably just from Steve for the game, or <laughs> um, I think you're a wuss for crying when Eris died. Is that is that relevant? <laughs> no, it, I'm well... kidding. I'm kidding. It was really sad. It was really really sad. Really it, sad well, if if you didn't cry, then you're absolutely just, uh, not human. So, absolutely. Yeah. So all these spoilers. I wonder if they're going to change the death up in the uh, in the remake. Maybe they'd kill someone else instead. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know who so that would be. Expectations. Yeah, but um, so there we go. That's my first pitch. Um, so my second pitch, considering the first podcast, the the, the main podcast, I, I know that Rich knows nothing about this game, so I'm not sure how how far this is going to get. Um, <laughs> but my my second pitch is for Blade Runner, which was on the PC. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about this. I can't think. Can't put my finger on it. I'm sure I have. Maybe I have. <laughs> this this came up on another podcast that I've listened to that you guys were on. So you have discussed it in a in a podcasty <laughs> environment. I'm gonna talk for a minute about Blade Runner. We'll see mm-hmm. how that goes, and um, then Steve will talk about it a bit longer because Rich can't. <laughs> I'll just I'll just agree with you, and then we can move on. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> do you want to start me off, Steve? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll count you down again. Three, two, one, go. 
So Blade Runner was a almost a side story to the actual Blade Runner film. It was a point-and-click adventure game made by Westwood Studios, and you don't exist anymore, but um, they uh, have a fantastic pedigree. And this particular game just completely um, encapsulated the Blade Runner um, aesthetic uh, to the T. All the neon, the the dark noir, the characters. The it was fantastic, even down to being able to enhance um, on the computers to to look round corners, which I don't know how you'd actually be able to do in real life um, for a photo. So it just it, it was so well voice acted. The story was absolutely tremendous and you felt like you were in this world, which was a first for me in a, in a game um, compared, you know, considering it was a movie. And um, I'm not sure what else to say. Um, it was, um, it's the only point and click adventure game that I have ever really enjoyed. Um, and Steve's gonna murder me for that. Um, so <laughs> Uh, I don't know what else to say, and I feel like I'm coming towards the end of the time. Well, so your time's gonna... up, so right. yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> You've been rescued from having to think of something else to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve, are you now going to murder me for not like any other point-to-click adventure games? Uh, or later? No, I don't want there to be evidence, so I'll do that off mic. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, I'll shut up, and you guys can have a have a lovely chat while I go and uh, um, Steve proof my house. <laughs> uh, so, Ritz, you haven't played this game. Nah. No. Okay. Not, have sorry. you seen the film? <laughs> no. Oh my god. Okay. So I really am alone in this. Uh, I hear apparently twenty forty nine is good, it, but it, I won't it watch it until I watch the first. One. Uh, well. That's probably right, actually. You shouldn't watch that too. Watch the first one. Yeah, I, I encourage you to, um, if only because those films look fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they're really amazing. I mean, parts of it are a little bit dated now, but if you take mm. it in the right context, those films look outstanding. And the reason why the point-and-click adventure game of the same name uh, is also pretty good is because it captures the look of the film extremely well. Yeah. And... You can just sort of spend some time in the Blade Runner world and you can sort of stop and examine things closely in a way that you can't do with a film. So it's really fascinating in that sense. It's got a really nice atmosphere. I seem to remember as well, the backgrounds uh, were pre-rendered, obviously, but they were I'm pretty sure they were animated as well. Like the game took place sort of against like an fmv and that felt really unique at the time as well so everything was moving like it was always raining and there's all like glistening lights and police sirens and stuff it looked really awesome it was cool it was a really good game Mm. especially for the year that it came out in yeah when you compare it to final fantasy 7's pre-rendered backgrounds yeah yeah. and and then that it was there's like no comparison almost it it was it, it just was it felt like a film so yeah and i'm pretty sure he had a dog and you could feed the dog which yes Yes. Always can you pet the dog? You uh, could could you pet the dog or could you just feed the dog? Do you know what? It's been such a long time since I've played it because you can't play it on modern okay. PCs. Well, s- um, <laughs> someone someone <laughs> at the, twi- the Twitter uh, Twitter them. account and they'll find out for us. Yes, yeah. Somebody tell us if if you can pet the dog and if you can, <laughs> then it is officially the best game that ever. Wins, that wins the pitch. <laughs> um, I guess that's all we can say, considering Rich can't say anything about it because he's so not sorry. even seen the film. <laughs> um, I mean, one thing I will say. I mean that. I've not again. I've not played the game, but that kind of harks back to a, a time in like PC gaming. I kind of miss where there was quite a real plethora of those real point-and-click adventures. You know, all the real pre-rendered ones. You, that's something you don't get enough of nowadays. It's very much a kind of forgotten genre. Totally, 
they're very they're very relaxing experiences in a mm. way that is difficult to find in games now something you can just sit back with a drink and just take your time with yeah yeah yeah, it's a so, shame. Yeah, it is. It is a shame that we don't still live in 1997. I'll just um, do. I'll just do a little shout out here. That there are companies that still make them, and there's a company called Wadget Eye Games that makes fantastic point and click adventure games. Their latest one's called Unavowed, and it's brilliant. If you like point and click, go play Unavowed. That's my shout out done. Oh, okay. okay. Cool. Little uh, shout out there. Um, we'll see if we can get them to give us some money for that. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> um so um that is all of our pitches um a little bit rough and ready i think because it's a it's a new format but i think we i think we did okay um yeah. and i think that steve should just pitch for everybody next time because he did so well on his <laughs> to be honest um so Except there we go. i had so a minute just... and a half's worth of stuff yeah yeah you might want to like cut it down next time <laughs> um but other than that it was good <laughs> um, so just to kind of go over what we've got so um, Rich pitched GoldenEye 007 for the N64 Steve pitched <laughs> Grand Theft Auto uh, for the PS1 and PC and I pitched uh, two games uh, Final Fantasy 7 for the PS1 and uh, Blade Runner for the PC so those are the four games that are going to be up to vote for and the vote will be up now uh, on the Twitter account at Dreamcast Years of course unless you're listening to this more than a week after the podcast came out in which case the vote will have finished so you can't vote and um, you'll forever be sad um, so is there anything else that anybody wants to kind of bring up at this point as we come to a come to a bit of a close um i know that you guys had second choices actually like you weren't quite mm. sure what you were going to pick out of two what was what was your second choice rich um mine was going to actually be mario 64 uh, okay so another n64 game yeah just um a very 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 important game of that year i mean revolutionary i mean i put it in my top three of games that sold me seeing it playable in a shop mm. the other two being uh Sonic Adventure and Ready to Rumble Boxing. So, but yeah, Mario sixty four was just stunning. I, I spent far too long in shops playing that before I actually eventually <laughs> got it. Um, it still remains now probably the game that's got my single favorite level in the history of gaming, and that's uh, Die Die Docks. Just the music and that level alone mm. is just yeah some of my favorite gaming music of all time. Um, I was spellbound by that level. It's interesting that you chose Goldeneye over Mario 64 then. In that. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think Goldeneye was more of an important game in the sense that it was, it's it's so difficult because they're both equally important games to the console, but I think in terms of the perception of the N64, Goldeneye was just more important. Mm. I think it brought on board more people that might have been dismissive of it and said, oh, go play PlayStation and that's where the kids games are. Mm. Goldeneye grabbed the multiplayer a audience. Good point. It grabbed yeah. some of the people that are being cynical. You know, it's the Mario console, it's the baby's console. Mm. So, and also I got Goldeneye for Christmas so it always elevates it in my eyes. I always enjoy it's, it's Again, there's something special about games I get at Christmas over anything else. Mm. But, yeah. Cool. There you have it. Um, and Steve, what was your what was your second choice? Uh, mine was Tomb Raider Two. Ah, okay. So that was um, and actually, sorry, before we move on to that, I should point out that um, I I think I mentioned in the last podcast that Super Mario sixty four actually came out in nineteen ninety six. Technically, it did in Japan and I think in North America, but in the EU in the EU it did come out in nineteen ninety seven. So we could have talked about it, but we didn't. Um, uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, but Tomb Raider two. Um, <laughs> 
what what was it that that kind of you know what, what kind of made you choose um, GTA over Tomb well, Raider 2? Well, uh, I think mm, maybe for the similar sort of reason as Rich, I think GTA was just more important at the time. Um, I no, I actually just think I enjoyed GTA more than Tomb Raider 2 as well. But Tomb Raider 2 was was fantastic. Uh, it was my I got it with my PlayStation. Uh, and it was the first time I'd played like a third-person action adventure game, really. Um, and it's those kinds of games I still like a lot now. So and I can trace that all the way back to Tomb Raider 2. It was also terrifying. Um, that game's really mm. scary. Well, it was really scary at the time. Everywhere's really dark. There's really tense music. Uh, you're being chased by tigers and scary men who shoot at you. Yeah, it was it was great. Cool. Yeah, I, do, I think that's another game that I'm pretty sure that you showed me, <laughs> like that back in the day. Like, <laughs> also, you could you, you could lock the butler in the freezer as well, which is you know, yeah, everyone's favorite. Yeah, always good, always good. Yeah, I, I I feel I feel like I'm basically putting all of my like 1997 gaming loves like in your hands. You were the one who introduced them to me, <laughs> but <there we> go. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> that like can't. That. that can't be true. Uh, GTA, Tomb Raider 2, I, I don't think I'd seen until you played it. Um, I think you showed me Final Fantasy 7, and I think that's um, why I bought it. I might have I feel done. Like. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, I miss these days of seeing games around mates' I know, houses right? all grown up. It's sad. It yeah. is sad. Right. When I'm, you when I'm, now. When I'm, like, when I'm stood <laughs> in my kitchen doing my dishes at 8 o'clock at night, I'm always like, I'd much rather just be going around to my mate's house and playing games. Why have I got to worry about these yeah. dishes and housework and stuff? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe one day we should do one of these podcasts in a room together and just introduce each other to games <laughs> that we've not seen before. <laughs> like we could actually get uh, Rich to play Blade Runner, and uh, and somebody can we can have like a three player round of uh, of Goldeneye that I've not played for a long, long time. <laughs> Would... I did actually have a, quite a special story about playing games with mates' houses. I think it was several. I can't remember how many years ago now. It must have been maybe six seven years ago I actually invited my mate around the house and uh, I actually had an, a copy of Lotus Turbo Challenge on the Mega Drive mm. and we used to play that back when I was a kid at you know, my mum and dad's house for months on end and it was the first time we played it together in like 20 years wow. that was quite wow. special we just picked up Mega Drive pads and it was almost like I know I get made fun of on, on uh, another certain podcast but it was almost <laughs> going to cry when we did that it was like quite, quite a special moment between two friends we've known each other since like the age of four so growing up with that and then playing it again you know when we had jobs and uh, things to worry about in life it was quite a special moment that sounds really special yeah yeah, yeah. no it does absolutely if anyone makes fun of you for that they're, they're wrong that sounds yeah. that sounds yeah, great the bastards yeah that's like it's <laughs> like some powerful nostalgia going on there oh yeah yeah, yeah. and that's what we're Nothing. all about it's all about the powerful nostalgia so uh, I think that brings us quite nicely to the end of this time's podcast. Um, and for those of you listening, you will now have the opportunity, as I've said, to vote for one of those four games. And directly after the seven days is up for that, you'll also have a chance to vote for the loser's uh, punishment. I say punishment. Um, handicap is the best word, I think. For that It's a handicap for the next time. Um, it, won't be a, it won't be an air horn. I think twice in a row would be pretty bad but we'll come up with some uh, some interesting ones for you to vote for um so uh until next time um it's a goodbye from me and you can find me at oddman 84 and you can also find uh, this uh podcast and everything else dreamcast years related at at dreamcast years um including the poll yes. um rich where can we find you you can find me on twitter at dreamcast barber you can also find me on the switch island podcast as well 
I feel like it should be N64, Barber. I know it won't make any sense. Maybe it will, maybe I'll change it. Yeah, maybe change it. Um, And Steve, where can we find you? Uh, You can find me at Steve Jack, and you should follow me if you want to hear me complain about the bus services in Manchester. Fantastic. Yeah, I think everybody needs to hear a little Mm. bit of that. Absolutely. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) All right, well, we will be back uh, next time to discuss 1998, so I hope you will all join us then. Thanks very much. (laughs) Thank you.